0: Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? I'm going to read to you before we sing again from Acts chapter 26. Paul was in prison, <laughs> right? And he was uh, coming to give, give a testimony before Agrippa. And he kind of summarizes um, his conversion on the Damascus Road. And I'm going to read to you this bit here, starting um, in verse 15 of chapter 26. He says, Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? These are in red letters because Jesus spoke to Paul and he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you, what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Isn't that incredible? Jesus came and totally changed Paul's life. And what was Paul's response? I'm on mission, whatever you want for me, Lord here I go we have a testimony don't we church I I hope that you have a blazing testimony of how the Lord has come and completely changed your life he has forgiven you and given you new life in him right and we get the privilege of singing about that together here and that's what we're gonna do and we also get that privilege of living out God's mission here in his kingdom right is this something to be excited about can you give me a woo? Yes, amen. Let's sing about our testimony, church, shall we? I heard an
1: old, old story how a Savior came from.
0: Church said, amen. church. This is the hope by which we live our everyday life. Hope here on this earth as we live and take His mission to the world and hope for a life in heaven with no more tears and no more sin. Let's sing about it again.
1: Death could not hold you, a veil tore a beautiful name it is what a beautiful
2: to Christian music at all, it seems that in recent days there's been a resurgence, if you will, of uh, the moving of songs that just simply focus on the name of Jesus. It's not surprising when you look at our world and our culture and how out of whack things seem to be. And when things just aren't understandable when we can't explain them, when they just feel messy, we go back to one thing that always makes sense, that's the name of Jesus. There's power there. In the New Testament, that word for power, we're talking about even this morning, and as we open up his word, is dynamis, dynamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. It's explosive. It changes things. It disrupts. So while our culture seems to be disrupting much of our lives, the opposite is true, church, if we would just speak the name of Jesus. His name disrupts. His name breaks apart that which seeks to destroy, creates more room for God and his grace to move in our lives and the lives of those around us. But today as we go to prayer, we sing about his power. We cry out his name. We talk about how wonderful and beautiful that name is. What it is you're facing or dealing with or carrying or whatever whatever may await you in the week ahead, know that Jesus is there with you. He's already at work in advance of your steps. He's going to be there as you travel and as you journey through life. And he's a name that we can always call on. He's Never busy, and will always answer. As we go to him today in prayer, let's begin with his name. Let him fill in the blanks with whatever it is we might be going through or carrying, needing, experiencing, wanting this morning. Father, we do come to you this morning. and We cry out the name of your son. Jesus. Knowing, Lord, that when we do, you hear us. Father, you're never distracted. You're never too busy. You hear us. You draw close to us. You're never far from us, Lord. It's it's, it's us that tends to do the wandering. Lord, in the crying out, it's perhaps in our own way, this recognition of our need for you. Reminded of Peter, Lord, when he's Stepped out of the boat and walked across the water, and his eyes were focused upon you. But then all of a sudden the storms got the best of him, the waves kind of distracted him, Lord, and he took his eyes off you. And he began to sink. And Lord, and all he had to do was to cry out your name. Lord, instantly you were there reaching down, lifting him out. Of the waves. I pray, Father, that when we cry out your name, we with, with confidence, with belief would know. But you are right there, immediately, Lord, reaching down to lift us up. Father, I pray that we wouldn't ask to be lifted up, to be saved from the storms for our own sake. Too often, God, we want you to come and to remove us from the mess, but we fail to realize that you want to walk with us through the mess, through the storms, through the hard times, not just so that we could become stronger, Lord, so that others could see you at work in our lives. Yours is truly a beautiful name, we Lord have our recipients of your grace we, we are evidence Lord of the, your ability to still transform lives and Lord we just don't want to stay there that should be a work, that should be a movement in our life that compels us to then introduce you to someone else we put that someone else on our hearts today who do we know who do we work with who do we hang out with, who are our neighbors Father that may not yet know you What might their life look like, Father, if they would get introduced to the one we call Jesus? Lord, each one of us today undoubtedly is carrying something. We all have our stuff, our baggage, our wounds, our hurts, our loss, our grief, those sources of discouragement, those things, Lord, that Satan would use to pull us away. Today, God, we bring them to Jesus. Never too much for him. Others, Lord, come today with stories, with testimonies, with praises. God, this morning I pray you would add to those as you remind us that you're never caught off guard, you're never surprised, nothing ever occurs to you. Even now, Father, you're with us, you're working ahead of us, you know what the answers are that we're seeking. They may not be the answers we want. Father, I pray that as you have proven yourself faithful time and time again. We would trust you wholeheartedly, knowing, Lord, that you know what's best for us. We would open up our hearts and our minds as we open up your word. Teach us something new. Father, be glorified, I pray, as we, your people, fill in the blanks by calling out the name of Jesus. Trusting in you, giving you praise and all that we say and do. And we ask these things. Amen. We are glad you are with us today and excited about what God is doing in the life of our church. And this is a kind of a crazy season. Summer is just always so challenging in many ways, but also gives us some new opportunities for for ministry and for service. So I pray that as you go through uh, this time of perhaps vacating or vacationing or resting, or maybe you're outside more often, walking your neighborhood streets, that you're interacting with people, and all along the way, we're planting seeds and, and perhaps uh, sharing, um, being salt and light in some creative ways, and I look forward to seeing what God is going to continue to do in and through us as we continue year two together. And we were finishing up today a series called Holy Smoke, and we, we, we did some um, um, grilling last night at our house, and they, they turned out all right. So I, I my wife took care of that last night she She did pretty good, except for when she put the cheese on the burger she's got a little burnt, but uh, everything else turned out good but it's all fun so but it, it's the season i I was outside I smelled others in our neighborhood that were doing the same thing, and you can kind of see the signs of um the people working outside and the holy smoke rising up into the air and well, of course, you know uh, from the Canadian wildfires, we got to experience a lot of smoke in the air this past week, and it was kind of a, a different phenomenon, not something we experience that often, thankfully. But uh, what was curious to me about it is if you looked, there was just this haze across the entire horizon. And I thought that it was kind of coincidental, perhaps, perhaps not, that we've been talking about... Uh, leaving behind, if you will, evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this holy smoke in our own lives, and began to wonder what would happen if the church would truly get excited about living out this holy calling that God provides for us, the opportunity he gives us, this filling that he does for us. Can't you imagine a horizon filled with the evidence of his moving? Can you imagine a community being immersed in the holy presence of God? The evidence of that, of course, being in the lives of us, living it out in front of others so that they, too, can be immersed in his holy smoke. Quite an image for us. And it was nice, though, when it finally did blow through and you could see the blue skies again. But I just wonder what lingering effects might remain as God continues to work in us. What do we leave behind? What smell are others captivated by? What do they see when they see his church today. And as we dig into this a little bit more this morning, it, it's hopefully be a little bit shorter than perhaps some other weeks. And I know you said, well, we've heard that before, but uh, today it might be true. It's just simple. And we could talk about holiness every week of the year and, and never grow tired of it, but there does come a point in time where we start to change gears a little bit, move in a different direction. So as we wrap this up this morning, there's, there's just a simple practical side of God filling us with his spirit what does that look like? And I wanted just kind of to begin this idea of of holiness with talking a little bit about collections. I like to collect things. Uh, some things, I I don't have a lot of big collections. I've got my baseball card collection, and, and I have a big tub of baseball cards, but I haven't collected in a long time. They're just sitting in the basement. My boys have kind of hinted around at playing around with them, but they never really get into it as well. And At one point in time, they might have been worth something. They might still be, I don't know, but they've just become this tub of stuff that we've moved literally now three times, and I haven't even opened up the tub to see what's inside of them. They're just stuff. A a collectible, if you will. In my office, I've got a few other things that I've collected over the years. I I have uh, some, some Legos on my shelf in my office, and I, as a kid, did not play a lot with Legos. It really wasn't a big thing then, as, as much as it is now, uh, but, but around uh, in, the, in the 1990s and the 2000s, Legos started to really gaining popularity, and in 1999, uh, bef- I guess we did have kids then, but I bought myself a Lego, I bought an X-Wing fighter from, from Star Wars, and, and it, was, it was the original X-Wing that, that Lego put out, now the Lego it's put out a number of different versions of the X-Wing fighter, but I still have the 1999 version sitting on the shelf in my office. Now, my kids, as, as we uh, have adopted and our family has grown, they've always wanted to play with my collectibles, with my collections. And I tell them, no, you, you can't play with that. I keep it high up on a shelf for a reason, because it's valuable. And if you play with it, you might lose pieces or you might break it, and then it wouldn't be valuable any longer. See, I've placed value on a toy that sits up on my shelf, and I won't let others touch it. Does that sound familiar? As if if the, the reason it was created was to be built and then to be enjoyed and even to be played with. I've kind of changed its purpose. And I've put it up on the shelf. I've since then added to my collection. My, my son got me at one of the newer versions of the X-Wing Fighter. It's sitting right next to my older version. And it, it's got, because the pieces have changed and adapted and we got a little more creative, it's got a little more uh, fine-tuning, if you will, on it. I, I like them both, but I still prefer the original. It's not worth as much as I would like it to be. I don't have the box. If you had the box and the instructions, it'd be worth you know, a couple hundred dollars. But It's just a toy. And I'm not sure why it's valuable to me, but, but it is. And I keep it up there. I keep it out of reach from my kids. <laughs> but they're learning to climb, And they're learning to scoot chairs over to the shelves that they can't reach. They don't yet understand that it's not a toy. It is, but it's not. And I know I'm not alone in this. Uh, I was reminded, though, of kind of the silliness of even my collecting uh, through the movie Toy Story. In one of the uh, the versions of Toy Story, there's a, a character introduced to us named Prospector Pete. If you remember Prospector Pete, and Prospector Pete was an original part of the, the Woody uh, kind of toy cartoon saga with which uh, the the character Woody is based off of. And Prospector Pete was just kind of a side character. But his, his value was in that he was still new in the box. Because he was new in the box, Prospector Pete felt like he had value. And later in the movie, we find out that Woody and Jesse and 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 they they try to convince Prospector Pete that his real value was in fulfilling his purpose and being played with. That's the whole premise of the Toy Story saga, is toys are created to be played with. And Pete eventually breaks out of his box in an effort to make sure that Woody doesn't go anywhere because if Woody continues to live out this life that he lives and being played with, then Prospector Pete loses his value. All of this to communicate to us This message of value. See, for too many, for too long, holiness has been this idea that if God fills me, now I'm valuable, now I'm special, now I've been cleansed, now I'm pure, I don't want to get dirty, I don't want to mess it up, I don't want to break it, so I want to put myself up on this shelf so that others can see me, not just me, but they can see what God's done in me. And, and they can see, oh, finally, I, I'm, I'm out of this miry clay. He's he lifted me out of the muck. And I don't want to go back there. He, he's cleansed me, he's purified me, he's filled me with himself. Whew, put me up on the shelf. I don't get dirty anymore. Because the little fingers don't play and, and break off important pieces so that I don't get messed up or broken or lost. And as I think about holiness as i continue to learn more about god and his son jesus and and what they did and what, what what jesus went through i find myself wanting to avoid much of what jesus came to model and to show he immersed himself in the muck where he found us he lifts us out of it yes but then he said now come follow me as if we're going to go, we're going to just follow him right back into it. Why? Because there's still others that are lost. There's still others that are stuck. He leads us right back into the places from which he's rescued us. He doesn't take us and put us up on a shelf. Rather, he wants us to follow him. And that's where we find our value. Our value in, our, in the eyes of our creator is best seen when his creation is fulfilling its purpose. And we, church, can't fulfill our purpose sitting on a shelf. See, Scripture shows us something different. Too often, we don't want to get broken, or we don't want to get dirty again, or we don't want to relive that, and that's understandable. But with God in our lives, with Jesus Christ, through his grace and salvation, with the giving of the Holy Spirit, we enter back into these messy parts different. Letting someone else lead us, showing us a different way. Jesus models that for us in the New Testament. Who better to describe for us the purpose of the Holy Spirit, this part of Trinity, than Jesus himself, the one who promised the gift. In Acts chapter 1, we read this very familiar passage. Obviously, it comes after Jesus' resurrection in the Gospels, and we see Luke begin his book in Acts chapter 1. He's writing to a friend, Theophilus, and he says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. In his former book, the Gospel of Luke, he's writing about all the things that that Jesus did and modeled and showed us. In verse 2, Until that day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And spoke about the kingdom of God. We see in verse four that the conversation changed slightly, and we see this beginning, this introduction to the book of Acts. And Jesus said, Luke says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command: "Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about." And so often we wait for the gift, and when the gift finally shows, we just, oh, we love this gift. It's so precious. It's so valuable. Let me take it and it up on the shelf for others to see. But instead that's not what Jesus has for us. They're there to wait for the gift that God promised them. And we read in verse 5 for John baptized with water but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Baptizo is the word we read here in Acts chapter 1. And we've talked about baptizo before. It's a Greek word that means to be immersed. Repeatedly back and forth, to be dipped, if you will. And we could talk about the, the inner workings of what this word implies. We'll get to that at some point. But it talks about this immersion, not just where you're coated on the inside, but to where the, you're just soaked through from the inside out. And Jesus tells his, his apostles, his believers, John baptized you with water. And that's important. That, that's a sign of God's grace in our lives. That's a sign that we've decided to follow after him. That's an important part in, in our faith journey. you've not been baptized, we're going to be, having, be baptizing on July 29th. If you'd be interested in talking with us about that, we would love to have that conversation with you. But Jesus says in a few days, something different is going to happen to you that you've not yet experienced, something that's going to change you. It's going to do something in your life that you've not yet seen before. In a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They understood water baptism. But they would not yet experienced spirit baptism. So they gathered around him. Of course, now they're curious. Kind of takes you back to the upper room when he was talking about his arrest and what was about to happen. And they had these curious questions and responses. And they murmured around each other. And they weren't sure what was about to happen in these next few hours. Same thing happens here in Acts chapter 1. They gathered around him. They asked him, Lord. Are you going at this time to restore the kingdom of israel lord is this the moment where everything gets back to the way that it should be is this the moment god where your kingdom finally <laughs> takes over in the midst of this broken messed up world oh lord could it be so Do they, they they they're starting to put the pieces together but they don't yet quite fully understand they're still trying to, to really grasp what it is that God is trying to do in and through them. And they're about to get a real crash course lesson on why we were given the Holy Spirit to begin with. They're getting closer, but there's still this misunderstanding. And Jesus, in verse 8, clears it up for them. and He clears it up for us even today. When he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be given power, Jesus says, to be my witnesses. That This word uh, you're going to receive, let's break this verse down. This is a really familiar verse. We're, we're, we know it, we've heard it before. When you break it down, though, we start to see how deep and, and how uh, not complex, but how broad and, and, and the breadth that's in here and all that Jesus is showing us in this one simple explanation. To receive. Uh, it's a, a, a lambano. La, 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 lambano simply means to take, to catch. You're, you're going to take it with your hand. You're going to hold on to it in order to use it. Uh, the, the Greek word lambano doesn't just mean that you're going to just like getting a letter. But I mean, you're going to get a letter and you're going to grab it and you're going to use it. So let's just put that into context right away. You will receive power. You're going to be given power and you're going to use it. If you don't use it, it stops being power in this context. I'm going to give you something that I expect you to use, not grab it and put it up on the shelf. Use it. Take hold of it. Own it. We see it 133 times in the New Testament, meaning to receive. 106 times we see it meaning to take. Three times it means to catch. But we're going to catch, take, receive it, and we're going to grab hold of it, and we're going to use it. What are we going to use? Dynamis. Power. Explosive. Altering. Life-changing. This is going to move people. Not, not, not ourselves, we're not going to move people, but the power we're going to receive is going to move people. When does this happen? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. The Holy Spirit, this is kind of a different word. Uh, they've, they've heard about the Spirit of God, but the, but the idea of the Spirit of God being holy, it's not a new concept, but now we see the Holy Spirit, the Hagios. holy, highest order of holy. hagios Numa. Now, Numa is probably a familiar word for some of you Numa is this uh, Spirit of God. Uh, it, it's kind of this third person in the, in the Trinity, if you will. The Holy Spirit is this co-equal with the Father and the Son. And, and it's referred to in a way that emphasizes the personality and the character of God. The Holy Spirit. And the way that it's used in the New Testament is always personal. It's never depersonalized. It's not just, just a Spirit. It's always the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So the Holy very Spirit of God, which speaks to who God is, is an expression spiritually of God's character is going to, it's going to come upon you. You're going to receive the, the, this very character dis- describing essence of God and it's going to become a part of you. Ooh, that should be kind of exciting. That should be like, ooh, I could do something with that. And Jesus says, yeah, that's the point. Too often we want to receive it and I think we can be misguided and think, oh, this is valuable. This is precious. Now, this is something, I, I don't want to get it dirty. I, I don't want to break this. I don't want to mess it up. So I put it someplace high up on the shelf to keep the little fingers off of it so, so it's not played with and it's not messed up and it's not broken. But Jesus is telling his apostle in this moment, says, that's not why it's given. That's not the point. You're receiving this personal Expression of God the Father, and he's, being, he's giving it to you for you to take hold of so that you can use it. Well, how do we use it? What do we do with it? What's its purpose? <laughs> that we will become his witnesses. That we could give testimony to who he is, to what he's done. The word witness is in, in, in this verse, martus. Martus, of course, is where we get the word martyr. Wait a minute, pastor. I, I like the idea of being a witness. A martyr, though, that's, that's a little different level. So if you're not familiar with a martyr, a martyr is one who has lost their life because of their faith. You're going to be one who gives testimony to, in, in a legal sense. You're, you're going to be a witness. You're going to be one who gives record of God's goodness. Not just on Facebook, but in face-to-face interactions with those who don't yet know Him. You're, you're going to give a record. You're, you're going to give an account. You're going to talk about what it is that God has done, even when it's difficult. Because we could talk about God even with, without the Holy Spirit. He's going to be sending us to places, though, that are uncomfortable, that are unattractive, that just might break, that just might make things a little bit unclean. But if you dig a little bit deeper, the word witness in a historical sense can also be one who is a spectator of something. Who has stood on the sidelines and watched we are all witnesses the question becomes are we witnesses with power are we witnesses that have put him up on the shelf are we witnesses that have grabbed hold of his Holy Spirit and use it for the purpose for which it was given make no mistake you are a witness you do give testimony the question is what story do we tell the safe story the story that God wants the world to hear some of us get the first part right but there's others that play the spectator we sit on the shelf we we want to keep the holy safe because in in its purity is where we find its value but in our definition of purity we taint the very purpose for which it was given and if it's not fulfilling its purpose then is it really holy questions we should be asking ourselves. God, I believe, is calling on His church to get off the shelf, to immerse, to engage, and to get involved with our culture, who needs Him. My wife and I, through just different circumstances this week, (laughs) our daughter's clumsiness, (laughs) she cut her hand and ended up going to 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 the hospital to have surgery for her hand, and we were in a waiting area next to another patient, and I'm get all the details of that today, but just to hear this young person crying out, how broken this person was, the things that they were dealing with, uh, the confusion of which they were experiencing, heartbreaking. It's easy for us to sit up on the shelf and say, oh, if they would just get up to where I'm at, they would understand. They would understand how wrong they are. I believe God wants us to quit calling them to come up to us and wants us to get down and go to them. It's easier up here. I don't have to get my feet dirty, get my hands dirty. I've got it all figured out up here. I'm valued, I'm holy, but I'm not fulfilling God's purpose. And we've got to climb down off that shelf. We've got to be willing to immerse ourselves in the muck that's where God is needed I'm thankful that I have a God who continues to show me where I'm not getting it right and compels me to want to do better even if it's through a toy there's still work I need to do in fulfilling the purpose he has for me You go back to our roots in the church of the Nazarene (laughs) it is off the shelf holiness Phineas Brzee was leading what's called the Panial Mission in Los Angeles. It was a ministry to the homeless. And Brzee believed that the best ministry to the urban poor was through strong ministries, through strong churches that ministered to the entire family. <laughs> Not much has changed in a hundred and some years since that beginning. We still believe as a church that, that we, we can help those who are spiritually poor by ministering to the whole family. But we can't forget our roots that we have to step into the lives of those that are homeless, physically, maybe even spiritually, that are, that are broken, that are lost. We can't sit up on the shelf waiting for them to come to us because they're not going to. They can't get there. Jesus went to them and we are to call, we are called to follow. When we sit up on the shelf, we send a message, but it's not the message that we were given the Holy Spirit to share. The Spirit compels us to get down, to take hope to the hopeless. I was watching a TV show this week. It was a sci-fi TV show, and you may not be into science fiction, but it deals with this family who's dealing with all kinds of uh, obstacles and hurdles to, to get to this promised land of sorts. And as they get near the end of the, of the TV show, they, they face another obstacle, and one of the main characters says, I just, I'm just i so tired of these battles. It's just so, what, it's so hopeless. What is the point? And one of the other characters grabs him by the shoulders and looks him in the eye and says, Hope is the point. Church, hope is the point for us today. We were once hopeless until someone introduced us to Jesus. Hope is the point. Hope is what compels us to get off the shelf because hope is still the point. We live in a world today whose only hope can be found in Jesus Christ. We're sending signals. Remember that you watched the old westerns. Remember the smoke signals that you would see in the old westerns. Those signals communicated the message. We see smoke signals all throughout God's word. Pastor Diane LeClaire as one of a, a Nazarene theologian talks about how in the Old Testament, holiness is a dominant theme. You wonder, well, how could it be a dominant theme if the Holy Spirit's not given until the New Testament? But we see this call to holiness throughout the Old Testament. The Hebrew word for holy or holiness occurs over 800 times in the Old Testament, 152 times Leviticus, 100 times in the book of Exodus, 200 times throughout the prophets, 65 times in the Psalms. God calls us to holiness and continues us throughout the New Testament where we find fulfillment and its purpose. The smoke-filled sky that we were immersed in this week to challenge us to leave behind a similar haze that others could follow a trail, could, could see the signals, could be drawn to the one who could offer them hope same hope that we've received. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, Paul writes this, but thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession, and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. The one, we are an aroma that brings death. To another, an aroma that brings life. Who is equal to such a task? Paul is telling us that we smell. <clears throat> some smell good. Some not so good. Some you might smell good because you have the aroma of Christ, but that aroma, even to others, may smell good. may smell not so good. The reality is we all smell. Some of you stinketh. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Or the pleasing aroma Christ. You ever been in a restaurant and you, just, you could just smell it and you just, well this is really going to be good? Or you've been out of the store, you've been shopping, you've been out and about and you smell the flowers or you smell maybe a perfume, something that just jogs a memory, takes you back to a different time in your life. Or maybe you've been out and you can smell something burning You drive in West Virginia, there's a lot of steep hills and you can often smell the burning brakes of trucks. Makes you want to get out of their way very quickly. (laughs) These smells communicate to us that they either attract us or they repel us. We are called as we are captured by Christ to be used by him to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him. People still have to choose But we then are, as his witnesses, are letting others know about him. We create curiosity. We compel others to ask questions. And then we get to share the story of a God who loved us enough, who give us part of himself to dwell within us. We are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ. What do the people smell when they're around us? We have a lot of fun with that, couldn't we? Do we attract others to Jesus? Do we push them away? Do we say, oh, if you just climb up here and see life from my shelf, then you would understand. Or do we immerse ourselves in the stink? Afraid that maybe the world might overcome that which God has put in me. I get that. But I also know it's not true. Jesus has already won the battle. And when we figure that part out, we live life from this position of victory. Not from this position as if the fight's still ongoing. It's already been won. And I know which smells going to rise to the top. I know which smoke signals are, are going to communicate truth. The question becomes, am I going to use what it, God has given me to become part of others coming to know who he is? That's what holiness is all about. It's about being witnesses. It's about drawing others to him. It's about letting others see who he is and the difference he can make in our lives. That's where our value is found. That's where I think God becomes most pleased with us when we get off the shelf allow ourselves to be used by him. There's 1004. That's... Not, I'm four minutes behind, so I'm sorry about that. I wanted you to get out of here by 10 today. Not for my sake, but to cheer that I could do it. I guess I can I'll try again next week. <laughs> I'd invite you to stand with me. Here's my challenge for you today. We've talked about not being imitators and not having this imitation holiness in us. We've, we've talked about uh, last week of, of allowing God uh, to, to move us in different ways and to see him in, in a new way and, and, and to not allow the world to cover up that the work that he's done within us. Now I simply want us to, to let him put us to good use. To fulfill the purpose that he has for us. So we're going to pray and we're, I'm going to send you out. You are a sent people. Jesus says we are to be his witnesses through Jerusalem, Judea, and all of Samaria. Samaria by the way represents a place that They didn't want to go He's going to send us to places we may not want to go You are a sent people Get off the shelf Your value Is in fulfilling the purpose for Which God has given himself to fill us That should encourage Maybe excite Motivate us To live out holiness As he intended Father I pray for your people today There comes a time, Lord, where we study and we learn and we we dig a little bit into your word, and that's an important part of our growing, part of our development. Lord, equally important is in taking what it is that we've learned and putting it into practice, living it out. Lord, I am fully confident that for those that are willing, you would use them even today to be witnesses, to share with those who don't yet know you, to be a pleasing aroma. So well, that's my challenge this morning for us, for each one of us. We are a people. May we never forget that. The best work you do, Lord, is not inside these four walls, but is outside in the world who desperately needs you. So God, move among us. Move in us. Move us. May we recognize, God, our value is not found in sitting up on a shelf, but in rather, Lord, showing others the difference you've made in our lives. Do it today, God, I pray. Be honored and glorified through your people. May we leave behind a trail of holy smoke, evidence of your goodness and of your grace and of your working still in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, God bless you. Go, be a witness. Have a good day.